Hi, and welcome to a special episode of the podcast, which we're calling The Holiday Replay. Steph and I are taking a break for a couple of weeks while our kiddos are home on holidays. So this week, we're re-airing one of our favorite episodes, How to Tackle Style Diversity in Your Art Brand. So if you missed that one, be sure to listen in as this was one of our most popular episodes ever. And if you caught it the first time around, we think it's definitely worth a second listen. I hope you enjoy the holiday replay. Hi, this is Susan Nethercote and welcome to the Studio Insider Art Podcast. In these episodes, I throw open the doors to my art studio practice and how I run my business as a professional artist. Whether it be candid insider chats with my studio assistants, Laura and Steph, or interviews with other creatives, or answering listener questions, there is something here for every emerging artist. I hope my journey can help you feel a bit more at home in your own. Hi, Steph. Hi, Sus. How are you? <laughs> Good. What are we talking about today? I don't know. Have you got a question for me today? Hi, yeah. Do I ever? So, I would like to talk about creative formulas. Okay. So, to speak more to that, what I really mean is when you hit on a style... And, no, hang on, let me start again, okay? You can start as many times as you like because you're the editor of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Not my problem. (laughs) I would like you to speak to finding your style. I think there's so much pressure within the artistic world um, to find a style that is uniquely yours. However, what happens when you find a style, it resonates but then you don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Is it important to stick to a style or do you have freedom to experiment? When you find a formula, do you need to keep applying that formula? Okay, so I reckon the answer to that question is so multi-layered because it entirely depends on what your goals are as okay. an artist, right? So I have so many different thoughts on this. So I think if your goal is to develop a business out of your art that makes really good money um, that you might want to pursue multiple streams of income from such as licensing or you know having your work reproduced on different products uh, that or, and building a big following on social media so that you can draw attention to yourself that having a particular style and feel which may also be expressed as a brand can be very beneficial because what that communicates to your viewers and um, companies that you may want to work with is that you have done the hard work of establishing a brand and a style and you're obviously attracting people to you so it makes them more confident in investing in you so i can totally see the strategy behind why people do that however (laughs) there's always a however As an artist, I tread very carefully around that because I'm, I like you, we're very, we have a kind of a similar creative temperament, I think, in that we actually find it really hard to create stuff that we're not feeling Mm -hmm. and what can happen over time. And I know that because I've experienced this because I, I, when I first 
established myself as an artist I, I, I guess my kind of brand that I was working with in that time when I became quite successful in a fairly short period of time was very bright floral abstract work and I got to a point where I was not satisfied creatively with exploring that so much as I was I just yeah. got a bit burned out and I felt the urge to explore other directions so I have diversified and continued on that journey and that may in some ways have been to my detriment in terms of disrupting like this clean flow of a particular brand that you will see sort of on an Instagram feed mm -hmm. but I had to do that to satisfy my own creativity but I don't think that that's necessarily negatively impacted on what's happened with the development of my business either. But what I can see through comparing myself with other artists that I've been following, for example, for an extended period of time on Instagram that have stuck to that core style mm -hmm. for a long period of time is that they have done better because they have really honed in on that brand and been consistent around it and, and evolved it as a brand. Right. So, um, so kind of that style question very much is related in, in terms of the way I'm thinking about it in terms of brand story. And if, if you are creating an art brand, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I think looking at it from that perspective is really interesting because you're talking about approaching art as a professional artist mm -hmm. selling work. And, and also, I'm not an artist that pursues having gallery shows, and I, I, I've spoken quite openly about that on the podcast, so I'm kind of on the other side. So that's another, that's another question. Mm, mm. Mm. Because when you do that, when you do start finding your visual voice, and it starts to resonate with people, and it starts to become recognized as your work, people want that. And I know that you do still sell prints of those artworks that were created a while ago because they are they did resonate so powerfully and they still do because that's the nature of the work but I'm really interested in how people stay creatively inspired and continuing to learn and evolve their own styles whilst marrying that with producing work that sells or producing work that they are known for and that people want again and again because it's it's difficult to balance those things and look it may be that you say that people want to buy again and again maybe it's that we're not meant to be painting for the same audience every time as well i mean it's such an interesting question isn't it because mm. in and i keep coming back to this whole issue of branding right because one of the things that my early work was really known for is color and it still is like I still make a lot of really colorful work and it's enormously fun to make but I don't want to make it all the time so when you're talking about you know the brand that has evolved around my art it's very related to those colors but when I try to encapsulate my brand on a website for example and I'm trying to nail down into a color or something that represents what I'm about, which is something that if anyone's ever been through a branding process, we'll talk about how you need to figure out what your colors are, right? It's one of your primary communication tools. So it's been incredibly hard for me to do because I don't nail myself down to that one style. Mm -hmm. But what you do have to find is some kind of a common thread that works its way through everything. So for me, that thread I've realized 
is flowers okay and gardens Mm -hmm. and I express that in a variety of different ways and I am still on the journey as to how to figure out how to represent that in a way that continues to make sense for the people that follow me and isn't so that there's some kind of a thread that runs through it that is distinctively me yeah but that's not something that I've consciously created so much as noticed was happening and there's a difference there right Mm. which is that for me my integrity as an artist and needing to follow the threads of inspiration is more important to me than crafting a consistent brand Mm. does that make sense yeah absolutely and it reminds me of an episode of the jealous curator podcast Mm. i think it's called art for your ears and she interviews um Penny Lane from Dazed and Confucius, who is like a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's like an art consultant. She she? is, Mm. yeah, and she comes from a fine art background of galleries, gallery Mm. spaces. But she talks about um, that uh, one of the things that artists struggle with is tying tying their their why, like really figuring out their artist statement, I suppose you'd call it, in that traditional sense. But the core of it is like why you do what you do and how that expresses you and your very unique experience of life. And I think that you've really spoken to that, that you've dug down into the the common elements of who you are and why you create and what you're inspired by. And that has remained consistent for 10 years. The styles may be changing or the techniques or the medium, but what is inside you that you're trying to express has remained a constant. Yeah, and that every mark that seems to come out of my hands turns into a flower. (laughs) It's like it's just something that happens to me. Mm -hmm. And that's the consistent element. And so I allow myself to play across a variety of colour palettes and a variety of techniques. And I need to do that because to keep myself interested in my own work. And actually that's my job as an artist is to continually forge ahead into territory that I haven't investigated and explored yet. That's the job of artists in society. Like we're explorers, we're adventurers, we push boundaries. It's what we're here to do. And, and I've heard sociologists talk about that the the role of you know you know every society every healthy society has like a mystic or a shaman and it has artists and it has the you know the people that do the farming and it has the mothers and the fathers and it has all the roles but the you know the creatives and the mystics they're the ones that dwell sort of on the outer edges of known reality and push into areas that have not been investigated before so I, I I actually cherish that part of my role as an artist and in coming back to that why I love that you brought that up and I'm going to go and find that podcast episode and listen to it actually because this podcast has actually really helped me to hone my why because so much of creativity is about the inner journey for me and not just what I explore on the page or on the canvas but all of those emotional elements that come into play in allowing me to do that and put myself out there into the world in that way and to make the big, bold, almost crazy statement that beauty is important Mm -hmm. and magic and heals us. Um, Yeah. 
that's what that's at the crux of my why is the importance of beauty and when we lose that like society loses something important but as to that coming back to a style I mean when I think of that when I think in in terms of those asking a question about style I don't know like it almost feels like it just reduces it you know like it reduces it to something that's very commercial Mm -hmm. so I'm very careful around that question of style I don't. I just went on a big tangent then. <laughs> I was loving it. Oh, I just got lost in that scene. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> and another another piece of it that I'll just add, and this is something that I come back to often because I have did years of art history at university. When you study the lives of artists, they all move through significant phases and periods and stylistic shifts in their work. And if they had just honed in on what was working for them in a particular period, I mean, we would never have had Matisse's cutouts. Mm -hmm. We would never have had Picasso's blue period. Mm -hmm. You know, like if we didn't, if, if artists didn't progress through different phases in their work, we would have missed all the story. And our career as artists is a story that unfolds and that is a natural progression and it's as it should be. So I think we have to remain quite fluid with that question of style. But allow yourself when you're in the style to really flesh it out and fill it out and explore all the nooks and crannies. And then when you feel moved to move on to something else, to you, you, the threads of what is innately you will find itself in the next piece that's to come. You speak in quotes sometimes, you know. Well, you write the quotes, so... <laughs> Oh, that's gold. Let me write that one down. Um, <laughs> so the reason that I ask is because um, I've struggled with this and and felt like um, it's reflected inconsistency. But I'm learning to see that through a different lens. I think that what is incredibly important to me and in my values is a love of lifelong learning. Yeah. And I feel that if I'm not exploring those nooks and crannies and really pushing and learning and moving forward, that I feel stagnant. But I've started to look at that from a, a lens of somebody else viewing my work. You know, because I started working externally with other people. It, it's made me think about how something that's fresh and new and is exciting to me could be seen as an, a brand inconsistency. And balancing the need, the want to be a professional artist that sells work mm-hmm. with someone who wants to be creatively fulfilled, pushing forward and learning is something that's quite fresh to me and you're further along in that journey. So what you'll find as you go further along in the journey is that if there's a particular style that you paint in that is sells really easily but you no longer feel moved to make it and you need to move on and do something else... But at any point, you can choose to go back and make a body of work in that style that will sell easily. So you're not giving it up. You don't have to move on from it and then be gone from it forever. It doesn't have to be that way. Mm. I do think you do that within your commissions? Absolutely, structure? I do that. Not just my commissions, but bodies of work. Like I, I paint because color is medicine for me. I'm very conscious of painting what I feel like I need to paint because something in my system requires me to work with those colors. So I just follow it and some of it sells well and some of it does not. 
and I'm okay with that. The other thing I think that our generation of artists has to be so aware of is that we have been trained to think of our art and the style of our art in terms of Instagram grids mm. and consistent squares, right? It's like this has become such a thing, but it's just this is a really, you know, when we look at the macrocosm of this, this is such a blink of in time in terms of like how artists are currently going about creating their businesses. Now, I'm not dissing on Instagram. It's been really good to me. Um, I think what's happened with social media has totally democratised and transformed the art world as we knew it because both of us know that art world because that was all that existed when we were first creating. And I think it's an amazing thing and I owe a lot to those social media platforms. And I have used the formula of the grid to my advantage to build an audience for myself that buys my work. But don't become a slave to being put in a square. Don't become a slave to the mentality that you can't evolve and change within those squares. Hey guys, are you loving what you're hearing on the podcast and craving a bit more from my studio? Then consider checking out my e-course trilogy, Painting as a Practice, playful classes in mixed media painting designed to nurture your authentic style. If you're a beginner painter or seeking some fresh new approaches in your art, then check out chapter one, Laying Solid Foundations. Or if you'd like to learn more about my ways with colour and mixed media art supplies, then chapter two is a great option. And if you're seeking to really hone your creative style or learn how to create a series of larger works on canvas, then chapter three is a brilliant option. Each chapter is just 77 US dollars each, or you can pick up the discounted bundle of all three courses for just 219 US dollars. To learn more, be sure to head on over to the link in the show notes or at susannethicutstudio.com forward slash online dash classes. I'll see you soon. I recently watched that documentary, The Social Dilemma, which I think everyone's watching at the moment. Don't get me started, yeah. (laughs) But I love the questions that that raised for me for my art business and to perhaps think about, well, is that something I want to keep nurturing in that way? Mm -hmm. But also things like what you're saying now, like, you know, what we're talking about now, the, the issue of branding and style and how I think that mentality is very nurtured by social media because social media is all about putting forth a brand. Mm. To my mind now, I think yeah. it was in a different place five years ago. I think it was a bit more personal and spontaneous, but now that's sort of what it's become. Do you think so? I do, yeah. Consistency is flogged. Yeah. <laughs> in there. Uh, I'm reflecting on something you said about the the gallery system mm. well you know Pre- something about that media. Steph because you owned an art gallery yeah I did a very little one for you still did yeah I, I did too am I disqualifying that yeah it was a small independent space for emerging artists um but I do think that there's something to be said for creating work um, with the goal of exhibiting it because it allows you to explore a theme and create a collection that has a beginning and an end and 
that there's an expectation that the next exhibition or the next collection is going to be a progression. And maybe because we don't have those defined moments of showing work in a physical space to a calendar, that can get lost sometimes. I think it can. And also because the edges between the art world and the business world have become quite blurred from where they were back then when it was as you're saying quite delineated but I work in that way like naturally do you find you work in groups and series and because I do I tend to like have an idea and need to flesh it out and explore it like it feels like a very organic way for me to work it does but because I do that quite quickly that's where the fear creeps in of I might have created 15 works but I do so you know, I create prolifically and then take mm-hmm. a break. Um, uh, you know, would focus on something else, like communication around what I've created. But I feel that that, maybe from the outside, appears erratic. doesn't matter what it appears like from the outside. And just FYI, it doesn't look erratic to me. And I'm watching you. Yeah, okay. Okay. Actually, this reminds me... It doesn't me. look erratic at all. It look, it, like I think you see the shifts in your work as quite dramatic, stylistic shifts, but I don't. I actually yeah. see a common thread. So, And, you know, sometimes we need to reflect back with other people to get a feel for if they're actually seeing it the way that we're seeing it because I think we can be yes. really out of whack. Thank you for saying that, mm. actually, because I've had that conversation with other people and said that to them like I've done a couple of one-on-one coaching sessions recently and both of those people have said I feel like I don't have a style and I almost laughed in their faces like yeah I can see very clearly and identify your work as soon as I see it as uniquely yours so you're right sometimes we're too in it to see it we can't see the wood for the tree so thanks for reflecting that back that's okay but I mean it yeah I really do see a consistency I mean I see the changes and the um you know the subtle change they're very subtle from an external point of view is what I'm saying that's I know that they feel dramatic to you but Steph is still there in the story the other thing I wanted to add because I don't want to make it sound like I don't pay attention to what's coming back at me from my audience via social media is that I do actually use I use it as market testing I use it a lot as market testing because I don't want to put months of work into a collection of work that no one is going to resonate with or buy right I'm not going to pretend like I don't do that I might make a couple of pieces of something and think that they are so so rad and then put them out there and it just gets zero response from people. And often I'll take that idea and I'll still use core of it, but I'll do it in a slightly different way and then it catches on with people. So I do use it as a market testing because I come from a product-based business background as a fashion label and I've stored physical stock of things for years I'm not into having a ton of I've still got a bunch of canvases up there from my very early stage of an artist that I still have I don't know what to do with um so I'm very practical and pragmatic in that way so I allow myself to explore things and get a feel for it but then 
if it's not working for people, I'm not going to like just press on. I'm paying attention to how people are responding. So it's not like I'm ignoring that and it's not factoring in my decision about which direction to pursue as I, I very consciously use Instagram as, as a, a customer research tool. Mm. It sounds like you've found a way to merge your need for evolution as an artist with and balancing that as a professional artist for whom this is their job. That's right. I have to sell artwork to make money. So Mm -hmm. that's a practical requirement. Because I've, I've noticed artists doing, taking a different tack where they reproduce the formula that works. There's a commercial artist who create fantastic work, but there must come a point where they're a little bit sick of that. However, it pays the bills. So I've seen people can do that quite differently where they've kept reproducing mm-hmm. the formula for a commercial market and then on the side they have the fulfilling creative always pushing forward work. Well, lucky for Almost them they have the time hobby. to do both. <laughs> That's a very good point, isn't it? Because Perhaps yes. there is at a stage where they can charge enough for an individual piece to, that gives them the grace in their life financially to have the time to investigate a personal Well, project. I'm kind of able to do that via my commissions. Right. So I generally only do large commission work. It pays well and it allows me more freedom to explore. So you can totally do that. But I'm... I'm just not even capable of it. And I wonder if you are too. It's yeah. like when I'm done with something, I'm just so done. And I'm a bit of a five-year-old in that way. <laughs> Start to have little tanties. I don't want to do that thing anymore. And so I have to do something different and follow that thread because I'm an artist and that's my job. And I know deep down too that that's my job and that I can't just paint for the market. So that's where the commission work works really well for me because mostly the work that I'm doing is really fun and I don't mind doing it all. It's generally based on sort of old, older styles. Yeah. But if I'm doing only a certain amount of it, it's to- I, I quite enjoy it. Like it's lovely to dip my feet back in. Do you know what I mean? I do. Absolutely. And then I can uh, move on and do something different in my personal work. So I think I think it's actually kind of a, a good little business model that in a lot of ways. Another element to that business model that's just occurred to me is your teaching. Well, that's it. That takes a lot of time, which is why, where that comment before came from. But you're yes. also allowing yourself by not being so strongly attached or still creating a specific style it allows you the freedom to teach it without fear because you're not you're not in that coming from that space of I can't show other people how to do this these are my trade secrets if I show other people then I'm no longer unique you've already progressed and evolved beyond that so there's a freedom to show and speak to others about how you do a certain process because it doesn't define you your creativity is beyond that yeah it's actually been a really interesting exercise putting together teaching in relation to that exact question because i found that i have a greater understanding of my own process as an artist and also those elements that make me unique as an artist that thread through all of my work through actually articulating what i'm doing through my teaching 
So it's given me a whole other understanding, a deeper understanding of my own process. And you're right, like I don't teach things until I feel like I've reached a level of mastery and sort of passing it through the other end of it. I don't teach it until I feel like I've gone completed that process. Yeah, right. I think that's kind of... Uh, well, that's the only way I feel comfortable to teach it, like to feel like I really have completed a cycle and I'm ready to hand that on. I noticed in your latest course that you speak a little bit to your unique mark making, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I I can't remember who told me this, but they spoke about a a ceramics class they'd taken. And at the beginning of the class, they were asked to make six marks in the clay and then observe what they were and use those as their unique marks moving forward in their work. And I think there's something to be said of that. Mm. I think in your class, you talk about um, the, the a specific flower form that comes very naturally to you and how that's become a bit of a signature within your work. And what I loved about that is that everyone has their own unique marks, whether they know it or not. It's like your handwriting. And, but in a, in a creative, artistic sense. And that common thread stays with us for a very long time. It does, and it's just what naturally flows out of us. And, I, I, yeah, I did really want to address that in that class because that's, that's, that's the thing you're looking for is the unique marks that come out of you. And I think in the context of the lesson that you're talking about, I'm sort of talking about how pay attention to what naturally comes out of you. And while you're learning, if you're borrowing mark making from teachers that you're learning from, that's totally fine for the period that you're learning from, but don't then go on and start to reproduce those forms in your own work and try and pass it off as your own work because Mm -hmm. it's actually not, it it wasn't an organic mark that came from you. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that element, you know, of just being, having that awareness so yeah, but you know, these it's those little mark making techniques that when you allow yourself the time and and exploration over a body of work, that's why it's great to make bodies of work and to work kind of mm-hmm. swiftly and I'm a big believer in that, is so that you can discover what they are, what are the natural things that are coming out of you time and time and time again. What are the what are the they're like the signatures of your soul, I like to think of it as so another, another quote. Mm. <laughs> Our personal style is kind of, I see the signature of our soul. So I kind of don't get why people would want to try and pass someone else's soul off as their own because that's how personal I see that. But I guess it's not something that people think about until it becomes relevant to them. But mm. um, but yeah, mm. that mark making is so much the thing that comes to define your style like that's the consistent piece that I see through all of my work stylistically it's this the mark making that runs through all of it that repeats through all of it even though the colors might differ significantly and um, the way I the composition of the painting the way I put it together there are certain things that I do with my mark making that are very uniquely me and they feel good to do that's how you find it things that feel good to do yeah so it's those subtleties that are your unique artistic voice, not a color palette or a um, a material or a um, 
a, a, a theme or a new piece of inspiration it's those things that are so come from so deeply within you that they're ingrained into your me- muscle memory into yeah your I think so I mean that's my opinion but I'm sure other other people would have their opinion about what that style is you ask people from different industries and they'll give you different answers um but the style question like that's it's just to bring it full circle back to where we started off, which is, you know, the importance of finding your style and this pressure that a lot of artists feel around that question. It's very much that that is around the commercial side of business, really. Like, um, and you find it over time. It's something that finds you. I think if you're looking for it too hard, often it's hard to find it as well. And ask other people what they see as the common threads because that can give you a lot of really powerful feedback yes it can i think we're better identifying it for others than we are necessarily for ourselves within our own work i think so yeah yeah Yeah. about a year ago we're almost a year of this podcast series can you believe it no Mm. i can't believe it well in a podcast almost a year ago you spoke to laura who just done a um, a class and you, one of your beautiful quotables was something around taking the class learning from somebody else and then always pushing forward seeking your own expression expression of that yeah so I kind of refer to it as metabolizing it like you take in the learning you metabolize it it finds its way into your system you play with it you have a bit of an adventure with it you try out new things with that learning And then as you continue the process of repetition is important, you start to find your own unique expression with whatever it was that you learned through that experience. And that's that's the bit that's uniquely you. Because that traversing that ground of learning next to this question of style is so tricky. It's really hard. I've recently done a... Um, a course of another artist who also works in florals in a very different style from you in a very a much more traditional style and and I was really interested to learn her techniques I think her technique is very good but those next six seven pieces that I created after that I felt discomfort within because I could see (laughs) very distinctly what I'd learned from her and applied that and I felt a discomfort around releasing that into the world because I, I don't want to be that person that just replicates other people's work like there's no what's where there's no value in that for me personally um but it was only when I showed that work to other people that they didn't see that even when I directly put her work next to it I said can't you see the response was sort of but not really because I see more of you than I do of her and that was a great feeling because it allowed me to have the confidence that my own expression is greater and that's what I'm seeking. Yeah, but I still love that you asked that question of yourself and reflected it back from other people because I think that's actually something we all should be aware of in the process of learning from other people. So I think that actually shows that you have a lot of integrity, that you're, you're, you have that question in the back of your mind. But also, I wonder how many paintings it took for you to paint your way out of that conundrum and because I'd like to look at those and sequence those paintings because I can almost guarantee for you that as you progressed on through the seventh and eighth and ninth paintings that what happened in the first one is very different to after you'd metabolised it 
and gone on that whole journey with what you'd learned and allowing it to meld with what's naturally yours, what came out the other end was uniquely you. Yeah. And none of us exist in a vacuum. Like not one of us as artists has ever done anything original really. Everything that we've done has, every stroke we've been done has been done by somebody else. Every color we've used has been used by someone else. It's the combination. That's what makes it unique. And that's what makes us, that is what our style is, is this the unique way that we've basically put together appropriated parts from everywhere because that's how humans function. Mm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're all part of that great tradition of learning from artists that have come before us and hopefully creating something that's a bit different to what came before Mm, and that is a very I mean that style of learning has been around for as long as artists have been around (laughs) to replicate to learn the technique yeah and then take that technique into a a space of freedom of expression I mean that's how all of the old art schools worked it was you went and you learned technique and it was never until later on in a career that an artist would start to find their own unique expression of what they'd learned and what they desired to create moving forward. Like, it's an ongoing process. Mm. It is. Well, it's been a great chat, Steph. Yeah, thanks so much, Sue. I'm looking forward to going home and painting and pushing forward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're doing beautiful work. Thanks. I'm loving it. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You can always see more of my art over at susanethercote.com. And if you're interested in learning from me or checking out the podcast notes, you can find those over on susannethercotestudio.com. I love hearing your comments and feedback, so feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, then why not snap a screenshot and share it in your Instagram stories? Be sure to tag me at susan.nevercoot so I can say hi. And if you've got a great idea for a future podcast episode or know someone who you think I should interview, then pop on over to susannevercoatstudio.com forward slash podcast, hit the button in the header image to shoot me an email. Catch you next time.